0: Only
1: redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value.
0: Respect her authority. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. My family is cold and dead inside and horrible people. With Margaret Apples and Amy Wilson. No one appreciates us. No one loves us. A podcast that
1: solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. Talk about it with your mom
0: friends. Talk about it with your spouse. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of What Fresh Hell Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is
1: Margaret. And this is Amy. And today we're talking about managing the grandparent relationship.
0: Managing the grandparents. Like our kids. Not our grandparents. Right, right, right. The kids. Our grandparents are older. Our uh, parents and our in-laws as grandparents. Yes, managing the relationship between... Your children and your parents and in-laws. That is what we are talking about today. A fraught topic, I would say. A fraught topic. We have a couple of listener questions. Yeah, we'll be addressing those. And we'll figure
1: out how to sort of try to create a relationship that works for everyone. Because what is what is it that you say about like, it has to be 50% what works for you and 50% what works for the baby. When it comes to this relationship, it might be sort of 50-50 what works for you
0: and your well. Sixty forty, your parents versus you? I would say seventy thirty, probably closer to what works for you and what works for the in-laws. But I'm going to come in hot and controversial, Amy. Uh-oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Most of us think we have to manage the children's relationship with their grandparents about a thousand times more than we actually do. I think that that is true. Oh, I was hoping for a lot of controversy with that statement. And you're just like, I'm down with it. And I, I count myself in this category. Like I have done the thing of leaving the like seven pages of instructions on how to take care of a baby for my mom and my mother-in-law, both of who raised babies successfully, multiple ones. So I've done it, but I have come to see, and I feel like when I talk to people about this, I'm often like, you need to cut those people some slack, right? those grandparents.
1: Right, the 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 uh, people who are providing free childcare for two to three days a week, maybe they might do a few things that you might think should be done differently. But if there's a little bit too much, you know, Paw Patrol and snacks in the high chair, well,
0: <laughs> maybe you need to that's a lot. Yeah, and also like if you're talking to your mother, spoiler alert, you're alive. Like it went it went okay. <laughs> and if you're talking to your mother-in-law. Your spouse is alive and exchanging oxygen for carbon dioxide. So, like, relax a little bit. Now, I have a general, what is it called when I, I want to give a blanket statement? An axiom? Uh, an axiom? <laughs> Isn't that the ship from uh, Wally? An axiom? No, I want to give a, like, a, a general truism? Disclo- disclaimer. That's what I'm saying. Oh, oh, a disclaimer. Okay. If your parents or your in-laws are incredibly toxic people who have abuse issues, alcoholism issues, are generally nasty people looking to ruin your lives, almost nothing that we're going to say is going to help you today. So those people you have a right to keep out of your lives for your own health. We're talking about people who are in the center of the bell curve here. If you have parents and in-laws who are sent from heaven, Mary Poppins style, then we don't have a lot to say to you either. We're talking about people in the fat center here. Well, yeah. If you have damaging people, you don't have to have them in your lives. So whatever I say, like, you know, work from your maximum point of generosity. And stuff, I'm talking to you people who have reasonable parents and in-laws.
1: Right. We're going to talk about issues where you're, you're trying to swing things 10%, not create a possible relationship where one is impossible. Yes,
0: it is absolutely within your rights. If you have a dangerous or damaging person in your life to forbid them in your home or forbid them from having access to your children.
1: Let's start with one of the listener questions that inspired this episode. Please. Because I think this sort of helps us define the topic to, to what is fixable and worth discussing. So Kim wrote in and said she has two daughters. They're five years old and 11 months old, and her parents are a little bit over-involved, she feels like, that they're undermining her in front of the girls. Let me, let me read her example. She says, for example, my oldest is a picky eater. I'll say, finish your dinner, then you can do X, Y, or Z. And then my mother will say, okay, two more bites then dessert. She'll parent over me, basically. Or if I ask my daughter a question, like, how was school today? One of the grandparents will say, Well, she did some artwork and she did her spelling and they answer for her. And she's saying, Bottom line, my, my parents mean well, but we're the parents. How can we
0: make this stop without offending them? So we don't have quite enough information because does this person live with them? I'm not sure. Well, it sounds like they're around a lot. If the if the
1: grandparents know what she did in school today, then they probably are somewhat involved in childcare. So
0: I think an overarching theme of this episode is going to be something we talk a lot about with kids, which is you can address behavior, but you can't really get at what's going on underneath it. And like, there is a tremendous amount of anxiety in parents and in-laws that they have an enormous amount of love for your offspring, Similar to the love they felt for their own children, but they have zero amount of control, and so it is an extremely tough dynamic for the grandparents and so I think this often manifests in a lot of the kind of behavior that Kim is talking about, right, which is like uh, i wouldn't i, I wouldn 't cut his hair that way it 's like well you don 't really have a say in how he cuts his hair, but it 's a manifestation, right, of like that person wants to parent that child because they feel that emotional relationship with them. But there's like a person in the way, which is you. And so I don't think what is fundamentally going on here between Kim and her mom is probably that changeable. So I think then it becomes an issue of accepting that it's going on, blank facing it, and then finding time and, and realizing when it's happening and see if there's any change you can make around it. So, for example, if you pick up your kid from school five days a week, two of those days, you don't have anyone else with you. And those are the days you get to be like, how was school? I do think if someone's really undermining you in front of your kids... You can try to adjust, address it, but I'm not sure it's that changeable. Well, the undermining is a perception thing here,
1: right? The, your grandmother is not saying you're not raising the child right. The The grandmother, from, from the examples that are being given, the grandparent here thinks that they're reinforcing what the parent is doing That's or right. like helping, but instead they're just sort of, you know, getting involved. They're sort of jumping in the water and splashing around. So it, it seems to me that you might be able to come at this by figuring out if it's an overinvolved grandparent. I mean overinvolved, even that is a pejorative. It's a pejorative, right? I mean it's a, it's it is an involved grandparent. Lots of grandparents are involved these days in childcare and things like that. I would find the thing that you really want to work on. Like let's say okay, so this kid is a picky eater. We've talked about this. I would find a way to same team it with my parents on this or my in-laws or whoever was going to be the involved grandparent and give them a book that you're looking at. Hey, look at this video with me. Hey, I think we should try this together, which is a little bit like, but I want her to be less involved, not more. Right. But if she's going to be kind of there in the front row anyway, get her on the same team with you, sort of empower her to do the things that you think that she should be doing or show her an article that when kids are allowed to answer for themselves instead of somebody interrupting, they develop more vocabulary and language skills. Everything that these parents are doing, these grandparents, I mean, is coming from a total, as you say, like love for these kids, thinking these kids are the most wonderful beings in the world and want them to be. And so I think you could sort of help them understand how what they're doing could maybe be more productive
0: and use research? I think that's right. And and the thing is, you can't sit down and be like, you are constantly undermining me in front of my children. That is not how that mom sees what she is doing. That how that grandma sees what she's doing. So I think that's right to be like, huh, we're having, I'm having trouble getting child to eat all of her peas. What do you think we should do? And like work it out together. And The thing that I'm just encouraging you to do is not bang your head against, I have this problem. We have a large family and often we're together. And I find sometimes that I'll say like, whatever, the kids are jumping on the couch. Uh, Hey, don't jump on the couch. And then eight people in the room turn and all scream at the kid. Don't jump on the couch. And I'm like, it drives me. Bonkers, right? Like I'm like, we don't all need to be screaming the same thing at the kid. Like he, I just told him to get off the couch. He'll get off the couch. But I have come to understand, eleven years into this process, that that's not really a fixable problem. And so either I walk over to a kid who's doing something wrong and I quietly say, you know, you're not supposed to be jumping on the couch. Get down. If I choose to scream anything across the room at my kids, the chorus of twelve is going to come in behind me. So like. I think a lot of the grandparent thing, can you control it or can you not control it? And I don't think that like the over-anxious mom jumping in on how the kid's doing, I don't think that's that fixable. So either you have to change it, change how much time you all spend together, or you have to fix it by, like you said, being like, hey, let's work on this together and get on the same page about what we're doing about this.
1: Or, you know, there's, there's two other things that occur to me. One is if you have something that is not that important to you that, you know, would be completely important to this grandparent. Like, for example, first communion dress. My um, mother-in-law was very invested in what my daughter would wear for her first communion. And that was a very easy thing for me to be like, you know what, like help, help me pick something, right? Because I didn't, I didn't care as much as she did. And that was okay with me. So that was something where I could be like, You run with this. Help me find something. Of course, she was delighted with that. And it's an easy, it's an easy thing to hand over if that makes sense. And the other thing is I was just watching this happen over the weekend. I was, I was together with my extended family and my, um, almost three year old nephew is, Really having a hard time with having his hair washed in the bathtub, like really, like you know, just beside himself, screaming, like hates the water. And my sister in law was sort of like, "Oh, commerce, like anybody have any ideas? <laughs> like, I want to hear them. Anybody wants to hear anything?" And you know, and her mom, I am open for suggestions, right? And my mother in law is his caregiver a couple of days a week, so she's very involved. But you know, she in this case was like, "I, I need help," and if anybody wants to f- try something new great. And in this case, as often happens, the kid is more cooperative with my mother-in-law than he is with his own parents because kids know how to push our buttons in different ways. And I saw my sister-in-law being generous with like, you know what, maybe my mom does
0: have a better idea in this instance than I do. So let's hear it. And that can be very hard to do because here's another hard part of the dynamic. You, the parent, feel like the grandparent is telling you what to do. And you as a grown person do not like that feeling, you know? And so the walls go up so fast of defensiveness on both sides. The the grandparent saying like, I I know how to do this better than that person. And the parent being like, no one's going to tell me what to do. I need to figure it out on my own. And I do think we've said this again about kids, like, I find that if I sit on the floor and really play with my kids in an involved way for half an hour, it buys me a lot of time. Whereas if I sit at my desk and I'm like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, kind of half looking at them, they'll stay after me all day. It's like they need that burst of, like, real attention. And that's why I think your suggestion of, like, and I think it can be hard to do when you've gotten locked into the thing of, like, oh, my God, this grandparent is just a tornado or a fire hose of like incoming need and suggestions and overwhelming energy. So I have to keep this giant wall up. I think if you allow yourself to be like, could you be in charge of this picking out the communion dress? Hey, could you show me how to make that amazing meatloaf recipe you make? If you allow in some areas of connection, it just, it heals the whole thing in a really nice way. The last thing I want to say about this is you you should also consider
1: the possibility that your parent is not intending to undermine you but in fact to support you It, it makes me think of a when my parents were visiting us and cousins a house full of people, and I told my kids and the cousins that they had to clean up the playroom before a show could go on and twenty minutes later, they hadn't cleaned up the playroom and My dad, I think being like, respect her authority, you know, like he could, he was identifying with me as a parent, was like, she told you to clean up and you haven't cleaned up. And I had to step in and say, no, 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 this, that's not how I'm going to do it. I'm doing it. You can watch TV now or tomorrow, but it's not happening until the plate. Like I did this so that we don't have to yell. Mm. And that was, you know, it was a little bit of a prickly moment between us. But when I look back on it, I was like, he, he thought he was supporting me. He thought he was making them do what I said because
0: they weren't listening and it was bothering him on my behalf. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I think this goes back to the marriage thing that we talk about, which is like, hey, could you make sure... I want to have a tiger themed birthday party for the baby. And that's like a two on a scale of one to 10 for me. In the right, right. <laughs> I think what happens a lot with grandparents is everything feels like a 10, you know, that like everything feels so fraught that like the thing of like, Oh, clean up the playroom before it, it just gets very. And then the, your dad's hearing it as a 10 and you meant it as a two. Cause you have this other plan, which is like, that's I don't true. care when you do it. It's like, you're kind of on different pages And it's just it's hard to have a group of people all trying to parent kids in the same house. It's just a complicated scenario. And so I think a lot of the suggestions that we've come up with so far are really good, but we're going to face more hurdles. But we're going to do that right after this break. Margaret, I've got a
1: go to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses. First two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers.
0: Amy, okay, we're back. Do you have another grandparenting dilemma for us? Yes. Another question, which is
1: sort of, are you ready to like do a 180? Our other question is from Jeannie. Jeannie wants to know, what do you do when your kid's grandparents kind of suck? She says they don't make any effort to be in her kid's life, even though they live less than 10 minutes away. They don't help, never have, but they're quick with passive aggressive comments
0: regarding not seeing the child. What do you do? What does that mean? So they're like, oh, we never get to see the kid, but they don't, they don't make an effort. Yeah. Okay. This, I know the answer to, I actually really know the answer to this one. Uh You extend invitations always. You never stop extending invitations. So you're always just like on Friday, we're going to have a barbecue. We'd love for you to come. Um, blah, blah, blah. And then you ignore the passive aggressive comments. That's, that's it. Like, you're not going to change people's behavior. You're not going to change people's investment in your children. People are invested in your kids for a lot of different reasons. This is, I think, another thing we tend to project a little bit, like that person doesn't even care about my kids. And then I'll think to myself, if I think about that, I think that person thinks they're close to my kids, you know, like, people have really different set points of what it means to be involved with other people's kids.
1: I think this can be sort of when your in-laws can be baffling. I mean, we're raised in different kinds of households, right? And in my own case, I'm from a big Irish Catholic family, which is like friendly, but boundaries, right? Yes. And my husband was raised in Italian family, which is everybody calls everybody every day and is, you know, very involved. Right. right. And so right. in a situation like that, you can perceive one set of grandparents as being bafflingly over-involved and the other set as being really distant or passive, if it isn't
0: your, the way you were raised. You see what I'm saying? My sister and I, at some point, we were talking about being married. We got married within two years of each other or something. And... I was like, we're talking on something. She was visiting her in-laws and I was visiting my in-laws and I was like, how is it? She's like, ah, it's great. Except for it's like every morning you just walk down and everyone's like, hi, how are you? How'd you sleep? What are you going to do today? She's like, it's just so overwhelming in the morning. And I'm like, right? The same thing is happening at this house. (laughs) And, And then we were both like, I think we might be the weird ones. Like when you come downstairs in my household of origin, it is total silence. Every single person is reading the New York Times and like there is no greeting. Right. You pour yourself some coffee, you grab your section of the New York Times and you silently read it. Like that is how we operate. (laughs) And so to suddenly find ourselves in families where everyone's like greeting each other and chatting over breakfast, we were like, this is torture, you know? And so I do think you have to realize like it's very different strokes for different folks. And it doesn't mean you can easily be like, Okay, my family is cold and dead inside and horrible people, and their family is joyous and happy and wonderful. It's not that way at all. It's just different styles. And so I wonder about these grandparents in this
1: example, I would suspect that they were sort of pleasantly passive
0: parents as well. I don't know. Possibly. They could also be kind of mean people. Right who enjoy the martyr complex, which we've all met people like this who are like, no, I'll do it. And it's like, well, no one asked you to do it. So be quiet. You know, it's annoying. And so they may be people who revel in the role of like, no one appreciates us. No one loves us. Like That may be their gig, but whatever their damage is, the fix to this is complete blank facing. And hey, we're having a barbecue on Friday. Oh, well, that would be nice since we never get to see you. It would be so nice. We hope you can come. Done. This is a two to tango situation. Like you can stop crazy by stopping playing your role in crazy. Mm -hmm. And when you meet passive aggressive comments with total um, ignorance, it works amazingly well. People are like, oh, because we never do get to see the kids. I know it's such a shame, but we'd love to have you on Friday. That would be great. Like, you, you don't have to play.
1: Yeah. Having been in these conversations sometimes it's like, oh, we wish to get to see them and we never do. Well, you could come whenever you want. You can build a ritual in. Yeah. You have to keep it specific
0: because if you're like, you're yeah. welcome anytime. Well, the door's always open. So this is another like miscommunication thing. Some people are much more formal. I came from a fairly formal family. My parents, it would be beyond their wildest dreams to stop by my home uninvited. They would never do that. Mm -hmm. Whereas I know a lot of people who's like their parents are like, Hey, we just were in the neighborhood. We decided to stop by. I would find that very bizarre, you know? And so you have to realize like your family of origin stuff is is playing a role here too. So like I've dealt with this situation of like, Oh, well, we never get to see you. It's like come Friday at eight. We'd love to have you not available, no problem. Then put it on the calendar for next month. Saturday at two, we'd love to have you if you're available. And then, oh, we never get to see the kids. I know, it's like we keep trying to find a date that works. If you ever have an open date, let me know, would be glad to make it work. Like don't play. That's, That's my strong advice.
1: My parents are definitely the up for it, but wait to be invited. And so my sons play. I have two sons in high school now. I can't believe. And both of them have sports. And I have one set of grandparents who'd be like, oh, send us a schedule. We'll pick a date. We'll come in. And then the other set of parents is more like, would you maybe be able to come to this game and then come out to dinner? And they're perfectly willing to do it, but they're not taking the initiative. And I think that that's the polite way to behave. And the other set of grandparents think the polite way to behave is to take the initiative. And so...
0: Right. And they're both right. There's no... Yeah. They're, bo- they're both right. Exactly. There's no positive or negative thing. there. And I think that you have to, even if you think the other person's family of origin operating system is dumb and annoying, it's just easier to operate within it when you're dealing with them. And then you free yourself from just getting into the crazy, you know? And, and, and I think what sometimes happens is like, it starts to go wrong. It's like, we say this all the time in marriage, right? It's like you're parallel lines. And then one of you starts drifting a tiny hair to the right. And then in a year, you're a mile apart. Like, I think that happens a lot with in-laws and parents and the whole relationship, which is like something kind of goes off. And then you're at this point where it's like, everything we do, they respond passively aggressively and they're hostile and they're hearing you as like they're uninviting and unwelcoming. And it's like, just try to reset and be like, Come over Friday. Let's have dinner. The reset isn't automatic, but I think a lot of us expect
1: to have a new bond with our parents once they become grandparents. Like the child is going to just bring instant happiness and harmony. And how could you possibly have disagreements over the baby when everybody's so excited about the baby? but it doesn't automatically make the issues that you've had in your relationship go away.
0: Yeah. And I just think I've spent a lot of time being like, I want this person, not even grandparents, I want any person in my life to be fundamentally different than the person they are. And that's not going to happen ever, guys. It's never going to happen. Like, if your in-laws are passive aggressive people, you have to deploy passive aggressive, blank facing back at them, sitting around and complaining that they're passive aggressive or hoping that they will become less passive aggressive. You can do it, but it's not going to work. It's not going anywhere good. So I would highly recommend there's a lot of ways to deal with difficult people. And I think if you operate from the point of view of I'm not playing crazy game, I am just moving on with my life and like. I have a good friend whose parents are divorced and they've tried to sort of drag her into a lot of like, well, I can't come if he's there. And she's, and she's just like, here's the thing. It's my kid's play on Friday night. Every single member of my family who can behave respectfully to everyone else who is there is invited Mm -hmm. period end of story. And so now it's on you. If it's more important to you to be hostile to your ex-wife you're no longer invited to the play. If you start acting foolishly at the play, I will invite you to leave. But I'm not going to play the crazy game of who gets to come when and what your issue with and blah, blah is. I am an immovable force. And so like, bring bring it on crazy. I'm not here to play. Yeah. I got very good advice from
1: a therapist years ago, which was not to be disappointed by a loved one's behavior that was entirely
0: exactly predictable like right we call this we call this drunken uncle bob <laughs> like if you invite drunken uncle bob to your wedding and he acts like an annoying drunk that's on you that's drunken uncle bob you know i had spent time feeling bad
1: about a family member not Reacting appropriately, sort of, you know, under, underreacting to something that was really important to me and me not getting it and really dwelling on my disappointment about that. And this person had to say to me, but from everything you've ever told me, like that is exactly how that person was going to react. Like you could have told me that before this happened. So why are you spending time after the fact sort of, you know, feeling bad about it? You knew that was going to happen. And that re- that's really helped me all through my life to sort of say, OK, people aren't going to change. The arrival of a grandchild is not going to change your relationship with your parent unless it does. I mean, it can sometimes.
0: It's not going to, Amy. No, it's not going to. Oh, uh, I'm going to take a slight other side of this. Uh, I mean, it, it's possible, but I just think like we got to go with Aunt Terry's theory. Fundamentally, could something great happen? It could. But can you get pizza from a Chinese restaurant, as Aunt Terry says? You cannot. Right. So like, don't go to craving Chinese food to the pizza shop, because guess what? You will end up disappointed in that. Like, is it possible that like, gosh, we never bonded, but like you have a lovely relationship with my kid and that's helping our relationship. It's possible, but don't change that into going to the Chinese restaurant for pizza. So here's what I mean. There is a
1: a chance that your parent will be a different kind of grandparent to the grandchild than they were a parent to you. There is a chance that that will improve. And there is also a chance that that will really piss you off when you see that happening.
0: Well, mother, who was always really, really strict with you, is like, let her do it. What do you care? Like, you're like, wait, are you the lady who, like, yelled at me all through high school about, like, keeping my hair perfect? And now you're like, let her do what she wants. She looks so cute. You know, you could... Your, your your parent may grandparent very differently than they parented right in little
1: in little and big ways yes. right of course they're going be more indulgent of their grandchildren than they were of you but it can be yeah you can see and that can make you angry can I quote Belinda Luscombe? remember her you, you she must. was on our show she has a book called marriageology which is a terrific book. Our, the um, episode we interviewed her on was called Making It Work for the Long Haul. Great episode, if you didn't listen yet. And she said in her book, and this really stayed with me, don't let the opportunity of getting to know your in-laws or parents in a different way pass you by. And I have had that with my parents and my in-laws, um, watching them relate to my children has enriched my relationship. And I don't have this, this personal situation of I'm so annoyed that, that this relationship is working when mine didn't. I'm not saying it's personal, but I am saying I've seen them be different people and I've come to understand them in different ways. And even when your kids are maybe getting something that you didn't, that can be hurtful. But allow your parent to grow and improve and change just
0: like you can I feel like this is a great point and something that exists in a million different ways in all of our lives I feel this way about being a parent like there are times where I am so obsessed with like is my troubled reader ever going to read at the correct grade level oh my god that like Uh, there was a poem I read a long time ago. I'm never going to remember the quote of it, but it's like, he squandered his treasure is the idea of the poem. And it's like, that phrase comes to me when I get too uni focused on one little thing about my kids, which is like, I'm squandering the treasure of like having three kids by ruining my life over worrying about this kid's reading ability. That's not a good Mm -hmm. use of my time. And I see a lot of people with their parents and in-laws who are like, this person is so annoying all they do is and I'm like, that person is a great grandparent to your child. That person has a fundamentally loving heart and maybe an annoying interface but like it's another squander treasure example like you've been given a gift, you're looking a gift horse in the mouth basically you know're you're, you're just kind of overlooking a lot of positives to focus on the negative, which is so easy to do with our parents and in-laws.
1: Right. All right. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll figure out how to make this all work for us even better.
0: Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of
1: my favorite power breakfasts. So we agree on that thing.
0: We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used hero bread. It Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get
1: 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code MOTHERHOOD
0: at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O.co and code MOTHERHOOD for 10% off your order of Hero Bread.
2: Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory. Two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel...
0: And now, who does your kid love more, you or Grandma? From the What Fresh Hell Podcast. You spend hours lovingly crafting Halloween costumes, helping with science fair projects, and driving carpools. Grandma has a DVD player in the back of her car. Grammy! You carefully consider nutritional guidelines to ensure optimal childhood health. Grandma gives cookies whenever they cry or ask or breathe grandma grandma you use careful discipline to shape their moral fiber
1: grandma cannot imagine how these adorable precious treasures could ever do anything bad
0: give me a G give me an R give me an A give me two M's give me a Y Grammy you Provide allowance once chores are completed. Grandma brings elaborate presents every single time she stops by. It's definitely Grandma! You provide unconditional love.
1: Grandma provides unconditional love and lets kids eat candy in her bed. It's Grandma, y'all. Shut it down. So, Margaret, do you think that grandparents today are different? Do you think that part of the issue that we're having is that we have a sort of sit on the front porch with chocolate chip cookies waiting for the kids to stop by
0: expectation and life isn't like that anymore? I mean, I'm sure that grandparents have always been annoying to the parents. (laughs) And I'm sure that mothers in law certainly have always been annoying and have a horrible reputation, although I do notice that in the historical mother-in-law joke, it's the husband who hates the mother-in-law. Like when you tell mother-in-law jokes, right? It's a joke where the husband hates his mother-in-law. And I feel like everyone I know, it's the daughter who hates the husband's mom. (laughs) You know what I mean? Uh Maybe that's only because that's who I talk to. But like the the conflicts that I hear are women hating their mothers in law I almost never hear a man being like, my mother-in-law is really annoying. I don't know. I think, yeah, well, I think it harkens back to a time
1: where like your mother-in-law was like in your kitchen every day kind of thing and everybody lived next door to
0: each other. Yeah. And it's like you end up having like, yeah, maybe you end up having two wives kind of, you know? Yeah. I think that's it. So I don't, I I don't know that it's changed that much. I do think that like what has changed is, again, I'm going to go a little controversial. The level of respect that we think that we are, we do our parents and in-laws. Mhm. And there is a story Glennon Doyle tells it in one of her books. If you don't know her, she's Mama Stary and Together Rising. She's she's a really great writer, but she's telling the story about Toni Morrison who's an African visiting and she sees all these people like gathered around a rug and they're standing way on the side of the rug and Toni Morrison is like She's like, oh, look at all these people. They they think that the rug's too fancy for them to walk on. Well, I'm I'm going to walk on the rug. It's fine. And she starts walking around the rug to show everybody that, like, she's not afraid to walk on the rug. Like, she's just like everybody. You know, she's worthy of walking on the rug. And then they come and roll up the rug, and they put a different rug down. And then she finally realizes they're going to serve the food on the rug. And that's why nobody's walking on it. Uh. And she uses this as a metaphor for her mother-in-law that like she came into her mother-in-law's house and is like the way you use this stupid China for breakfast is ridiculous. Like it's easy to come into your, especially your in-law's life I think, and be like everything you do is stupid and worthy of complete dismissal. (laughs) You know, like you, it's because it's different than the way you were raised. And I do think that in generations before we had the instinct to stand at the side of the rug to be like, this person is my authority figure, basically. Mm -hmm. Like your mother-in-law would move in with you and teach you how to run a house. And I'm not sure that everybody loved their mothers-in-law, but it was like a much more unquestioning hierarchical relationship in the past. And I think some of us, like now we have this kind of like new millennial idea of like, well, we have all the answers. So like we don't have anything to learn from these people. And I think that that's made the relationship more fraught. And I
1: I do want to give credit to my mother and my mother-in-law for the crazy things that I did with some of my kids that I think they knew were cockamamie, but they held their tongues and they did them anyway. Like, like I was waking my baby every three hours in the middle of the night. And this was a baby that never slept. Like, he was already not sleeping. And we were waking up a sleeping baby. And I know they thought I was crazy, and I was, but they didn't say so. And they went with my rules because I was like, I've read a book, right? And so I don't know what you did, but I'm a knowledgeable mom. And they they let that slide. And I think we have to choose sometimes to see the ways in which our parents are like letting us fit. It's kind of grown and flown. We talked about that last week and it's kind of still going, right? I think our parents can sometimes see us making mistakes as parents. Hello, it's possible. And letting us do it, right? letting and, and lovingly disengaging from, geez, I really wouldn't let him throw a tantrum like that and then get a lollipop, but I'm not going to say anything. I think most parents, most grandparents deserve credit for that.
0: So this brings me to my overarching thesis. And I spoke about this at a question of the week recently where someone was asking about their parents-in-law wanting to stay with them for long periods of time. It is okay to set boundaries. With grandparents and as grandparents with the, your children who are now parents. It is okay to say, listen, you can't drop the kids with me for four weeks at a time. And it is okay to say, listen, mothers-in-law and mom and dad, you can't come stay with us for four weeks at a time. It is okay and necessary to set boundaries to keep a healthy relationship. But I think as long as you are dealing with decent people, you should try to work from your maximum point of generosity. And that's what you're saying your parents are doing, right? Your parents are looking at you and they're like, Okay, crazy. Why are you waking up a baby every three hours? That's really not necessary. And I don't know what book you read it in, but I raised six kids and it's not you don't do right. that. But they're right. working from a point of maximum generosity where they are looking at you and saying, Amy is anxious, overtired, and clinging to whatever chapter in a book she just read to get through it. So we're not gonna swoop in and be like, actually, Amy, that's not how it's done. And I think that sometimes we as the Parents slash children slash children in law forget to be as generous as we need to be with our parents and in laws because most of them are just in love with our kids and wanting to interact with them and used to being moms. You know, like it's not going to be that easy for you when you have your two sons living with other women who are doing everything in a different way than you did it to sit there and be quiet, you know? Right. And sometimes you're going to fail the test. Sometimes you're going to be like, wait, that kid just have a tantrum. Don't give him a lollipop. And like, you got to keep that in. Right. And we're keeping a lot in probably towards our parents and in-laws when they're in the house and smiling through like eight people screaming, get off the couch. But they're doing that to us too. And we have to remember that.
1: We haven't even talked about like the fear that our parents and in-laws and particularly in-laws, I suppose, sometimes operate from that they're going to be excluded. I mean, this isn't universal, but I know it's true for some grandparents. They worry that if they don't manage the relationship with the daughter or son-in-law correctly, that they're not going to get enough access to the kids. And, And this relationship is so important to them. They're probably holding it a little too tightly, but it's out of love and fear for their own connection to their grandchildren, not their disapproval of everything you say and do, even if it's how it manifests itself.
0: And this is where your thing of like, hey, can you help me figure this out? Hey, you are, your house is always so clean. Like what do you, what kind of cleaning schedule do you work on? Listen, this is not my forte because I am a person who likes to do things my own way. And I think as like, I have third child issues around, like I don't like other people telling me what to do. Like, I earned my spot. I'm also a much older mom. And I think that, you know, I think maybe at 21, I would have been a little more open to like, so, mom, how do you do this? So, dad, like, what? I'm not really looking for that at 47. You know, I'm good, I think, but trying to extend the thing of like, hey, you did this really well. Like, give me some advice here. What would you say? I feel like a lot of us have this huge chip on our shoulders that everybody's looking at us and being like, they're incompetent. They're bad. Like, oh, look at Amy waking the baby up. She's such an idiot. Like people are not really looking, they're looking to help you. They're looking to support you fundamentally. And the more you can open yourself up to that, it it just, and I think it tamps down the anxiety where like, your mom or your mother-in-law might be sitting there being like, I have 8,000 things to say and I only say one a day. And it that pressure builds up and makes people crazy. Oh, okay. <laughs> so if you can find opportunities to be like, hey, let's cook a meal together. Hey, why don't you take the kids? And here's another thing to say about this. I often, my, my kids stay at my in-laws quite a bit and – I've talked to other people about it and they're like, well, how do you make sure that they this, that, and that? I don't make sure of anything. My kids stay at my in-laws. They're on in-law time and in-law mm-hmm. rules. I don't give them any rules. There's no rules. Ice cream every day. and, and, and as it result, is, right? They have ice cream every day. <laughs> I mean, at some point, my kid, my oldest son, whose favorite food in the world is vanilla milkshakes, was having like four vanilla milkshakes a day. And he got tremendously sick from it. He was having disgusting digestive problems. And I was like, yeah, you know why? Because you're drinking four milkshakes a day. And he was like, oh, and he stopped, you know? And to this day, he's always like, I only have one milkshake. Today. <laughs> like, so look, he learned something from it. Like the thing of like, you can watch the, my kid only if you follow every single one of our household rules. You're setting yourself up for failure. Like, yeah, guess what? Your kid's going to survive.
1: Can I give one more takeaway? It's kind of obvious, but I feel like it needs to be said. It's a uh, you may indeed. it's a quote. Dr. Susan Newman, she's the author of a book called Little Things Mean a Lot: Creating Happy Memories with Your Grandchildren. So it's for grandparents. So maybe if you have an underinvolved grandparent, there's a um holiday gift idea for you. She
0: says... Slightly passive-aggressive holiday gift, but
1: maybe you can pull it off. She Uh, says it's important to remember that even when times get tough, talk about it with your mom friends, talk about it with your spouse, don't badmouth the grandparents in front of the kids because, she says, grandparents give children a strong sense of security that there are people beyond their parents that they can turn to. And I think that's important and
0: it's worth investing in. Please listen to that. Do not badmouth members of your family to your children, period. It's a bad idea. You can feel however you want. You and your spouse can get in bed and be like, oh, that was so annoying. Do what you need to do, but don't bad mouth people in your family to your kids. I mean, again, if you've got horribly toxic people and you've got to explain, like, grandma can't come because she's got a, you know, she's a serial killer, fine. You have to sit down and explain that to him. It's fine if you have to frankly explain a problem, but don't sit around and bash your relatives in front of your kids. It it makes kids upset and uncomfortable. Your kids love them. They don't understand the adult issues you're having. It's not a good idea. The grandparent-grandchild
1: relationship at its best can be like the most unfraught, uncomplicated love fest.
0: Exactly. Give your kids that gift. Give your kids that gift. And if you need to get away, give yourself that gift. I'm telling you what. My husband and I went to London last year, left those kids behind with the grandparents. (laughs) It's a score. Everybody go to London. We solved it. (laughs) Everyone go to London. Drop your kids off. Definitely solve this one. Be nice to your grandparents, guys. And grandparents, don't be (laughs) annoying. Come on. Stop being annoying, everybody. Get it out. (laughs) Guys, we want to know how it's going with your parents and in-laws. And you can come tell us on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Hellcast, And you can yell at us there if we were too easy on the uh, moms and mothers-in-law. Yeah. Well, we might hear from some grandparents this week, too. We'd love to, by the way. And you can also
1: find us on Instagram at WhatFreshHellCast and on Twitter at WFH Podcast.
0: Or you can find any studies, anything we talk about, a couple quotes from this episode. Find their sources at WhatFreshHellPodcast.com. Or you can always just swipe up if you're listening to the episode. I never knew this. It's pretty cool. You just swipe up and all this stuff is there. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Guys, that's it for grandparents. Go call your moms and your mothers-in-law and we will talk to you (laughs) next week. (laughs) So long.
2: No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids, because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack.